the BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Hello and welcome to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, which you can download and listen to for absolutely nothing on the BBC Essex website. That's bbc.co.uk slash Essex. I'm Ken Crowther and this week my special guest is Tom Cole from Rittle University College near Chelmsford. Coming up, we'll be answering your questions. And this week, we had a lot of fruity questions. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Every Saturday from 11. I'm Ken Crowther and this week, Tom Cole joins me and of course at this part of the podcast we give some extra tips of things that people could be doing in the garden now tom what's your first one because uh, summer's here isn't it, it certainly is and at riddle university college where i'm based we're actually looking at pruning our late or, or sort of early and late flowering spring shrubs yeah so plants like the forsythia uh, which has finished its flowering now has been loads and loads of new growth on things like carrier japonica with those lovely pom-pom like yellow to orange flowers one or two others like Gary or Elliptica, which has finished its catkins. All of those sort of plants that have finished flowering now, it's now key to prune out the old flowering wood to the ground or to where there's a vegetative shoot. I was going to say, you wouldn't do that on a Gary, would you? No, but you, you need to thin it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I take out the old flowering wood to the ground or to where there's usually a, a good outward-facing shoot. Thin out the plants if I need to. So carrier, for example, oh, I'll take every third or fourth stem out. Be ruthless with yeah. them, can't you? And then what I'm left with is long vegetative shoots, which I reduce by about a quarter to a third. So it works really well. It does. Now, looking at shrubs, a uh, lot of people have been getting hold of us and wondering about what's going on with their box. Now, OK, we've had box blight to deal with, haven't we, Tom? We have. But now we've got the box moth. Now, the box moth actually is uh, it's an Asian moth that's come in through the continent, through France and Germany. Um, and it was originally found, I think, in southern England about as long ago as 2008. But it's really moving up through the country and it's got into Essex well and truly. It decimates your, your box. It really does. It takes it, it destroys it completely. It's a caterpillar that looks a bit like a cabbage white. It's very similar to a cabbage white in size, but they really get a hold. Now, the other thing that's bad is they can produce two or three sets of caterpillar in a year. That's horrendous. Horrendous. You can end up with no box at all. So you really need to get on and spray them. There's a, several you can use. You can use Bravado, Ultimate Bug Killer, but look out for a good insecticide. Spray well into the bush to get rid of them and then look out for them. But the other thing that I think is worth doing is as the new growth comes, be worth giving a liquid feed of something like a seaweed, uh, something like Maxi Crop, which would help. That will strengthen it and boost the plant, yeah. yeah. So they are. <clears throat> There's something to look out for. Well, Ken, my gardener's delight, cordon tomatoes, are thriving at the moment. They're actually on their second truss, bl blooming away. Uh, remember, if you've got them flowering for the first time, start your feeding. Yep. But I'm pinching out all those side shoots. So all that means is I'm just moving from left to right, the side shoot, it, it cracks, breaks off, and it means it concentrates all that energy into the rest of the top growth and all those trusses, which will hopefully give you loads of fruit this year. <laughs> You hope. Do you grow chilies as well as I've tomatoes? I've got chilies, I've got my cayennes, my jalapenos, habaneros. Oh. And there's a trick here. These are tender perennials. Keep them from one year to the next. So overwinter them, you'll get another crop. They are. Tom knows how to garden. Talking of which, he mentioned feeding. I'm going to go on about feeding because we so often forget to feed our plants. Now, you've got hanging baskets, you've got containers with 
with plants in. And OK, you perhaps put new compost in everything, but they still need a good liquid feed. And if you want really colourful things, I'd use a tomato feed, quite honestly, wouldn't you, Tom? Absolutely, yeah. Tomato feed really brings on lots of summer colour, and that's what I would do. So summer colour, get it out there, feed your containers, feed your baskets. And I'll tell you what, why not feed those bedding plants in the bed with a liquid as well? And you'll get much, much better results and a really colourful summer. Well, of course, it's not all about flowers and shrubs. We do like to grow edibles. You um, do. So this is a great time of the year to keep on harvesting lettuces and radishes, even early potatoes for some people, where they're almost at that little egg stage uh, in size. And keep on sowing. I like to sow radishes, spring onions and lettuces uh, as an intercrop between longer maturing plants. Works well. Maximises the space. You get loads and loads of yield. I mean, something like Little Gem, four to six weeks, radish. Done. Four weeks, six weeks. Onions, this is spring onions, maybe 10 to 12 weeks. Coming up next, myself and Tom will be answering your gardening questions. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Every Saturday from 11. And we'll start with Sue in Battlesbridge. Last week I was speaking to you and you recommended liquid seaweed um, yep. to water around my wisteria and spray over the box that I was giving a very steer ha uh, haircut. Yes. Um, the only one I've been able to purchase is liquid seaweed and sequestered iron. Mm. Well, you can. That would be all right on box, wouldn't you, it? You can use that on box. And I, I use that, and, it, and the plant seems to respond quite well to would that. Would you use that on the on the wisteria? Not particularly, mm, would not you? Not really. You don't really need to. You, look, um, uh, you need to look for maxi crop because surely paces sell maxi crop, don't yeah, they? Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, the thing is that 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 range includes ones with sequestering in, ones for flowering, ones for general foliage. Um, so you want oh, a sure you, you want a sort of general purpose one, but the thing about seaweed is it's very it's, it's very high in potash, it's like a tonic. Yeah. So it not only promotes flowers and fruit, but it can also help strengthen the plant as well. So it, it's a bit more robust against um, particularly disease. Right. So, so right. nothing wrong with what you've got for your box, especially. No. Don't put any of these feeds on in bright sun. Always do it each end of the week, each end of the week, each end of the day. <laughs> um, but go out and get another one. There's plenty on the shelf. I'm surprised that that's what you got offered, but don't tell me where you asked. All right? No, no, I won't. I okay. won't. And the other problem I have, which is an age-old problem, in particular is ground elder. Yep. But also bramble, thistles and nettles. Right. Now, um, we've had gardeners in that have said there's nothing you can do about it, or they've said, yes, they'll clear it, and all they do is they rip the top off. Yep, and leave the roots the in. Bit, yeah, yeah now, break I think, it up and right. even more. Yeah. <laughs> I think the worst one that you've got there is the ground elder. That is the most difficult yes. to get rid of, but the, you treat them all the same, wouldn't you, Tom? Yeah. So how would you go about it? Uh, I do a, I would, I do a combination of removal, that's digging roots out as well, and Which creeping shoots. Which is what shoots, they're doing. Uh, but then also using um, a herbicide that I can apply or wipe on. There's some really good gel-based products Yeah, Roundup is now a wipe on, isn't it, Yeah, as well? and so it means you can really direct where you've got to put it, especially if it's growing through other plants that you want to keep because yeah. you can't just liberally spray with that particular chemical. Uh, so yeah. I do a combination of those, actually. And actually... The bramble is easier to get rid of. You're right, Ken. It's much easier to get rid of that way. I tend to cut down and dig out. And where I do get some regrowth from, the odd root that's been left in, then I'll just use the gel-based product. And it seems to work. 
Uh, the ground elder, a little bit more. I think you might have to come back a Several few times. times, actually, to, to deal with that one. All right. right. I, I have got a commercial grade glyphosate. Yeah, which uh, we should. Can we? Can, hang on, hang on, hang on. I want to oh. stop you there. A commercial grade glyphosate is not something that we can talk about because you have to be okay. licensed to have it. You also right. have to have a license to actually even use it. You have to be certificated. And right. operatives that you see using it have passed a test. They go to Rittle College and take their tests, don't they? they do. And they I've have been to, to Rittle College. Have you, have you got a ticket, though? Yes, I have. I've you also got, got uh, grandfather rights. No, oh. grandfather, no, grandfather they rights. Ex- they gone. don't exist. You've They've gone. They don't exist oh, they don't now. Exi- no, I've no. Lost, I lost my. I lost my. Do. No, I've lost my grandfather. You'll have to come well. back for a little test. Yes, you have to come <laughs> back for a test. No, then, well, I can do all my PPE and um, all my sprayer. PA one, um, PA six is what you need to do. Get back there and do it, and then you can use the the product that you've you've got hold of i'm gonna jump on there because I, I must point out that you must not use commercial don't ever take stuff off farmers and think you can use it in your garden i'm going to go to ken in colchester uh bluebells yeah i've got some uh, bluebells in a patio pot oh well patio pots i've got a couple of them um the flowers have gone and they've left um, like a corn thing or a bud type thing um how do i plant that and look after it for new flowers next year do i just leave them to drop naturally, or do I plant the, what the you, corn? What you can do is uh, you can cut off the old uh, spikes, put those into a paper bag, let let the spike dry out, and the seed will naturally fall out. Mm. And you could then actually surface sow those in a shallow pan of a, of a good sort of soil-based seed and cutting compost. Um, top up with grit, make sure it's labelled, put it into a coal frame or near the back of the house or in a coal greenhouse, and actually they will start to germinate Good. at some point, and leave them in that pot for at least a year or so before you then start to move them on. It's, it's a longish process, but it's fun trying it. <laughs> it sounds good, yeah. yeah. Okay. Because the other way of doing it is you just split and divide, and that's the quicker way of doing it. But it's fun to try. Yeah, it's fun to try it. Okay, Ken? Thank you. Bye. (laughs) Give us a call now, 0300 200 4041. That's the number to call. And we pop over to Noak Hill now and talk to Len. Len, what you got? Hi, Ken. Hi, Tom. Hi. Um, It's a sort of gardening question. We've got three quite large pots with three large boxes in them which have now got this boxes blight. Now, two of the pots have got rims. They, they go in and out. And we're wondering the best way to try and get them out without breaking the pots. I Ever thought maybe a reciprocal saw to saw the roots away and then gradually get the earth away uh, around the side. Any ideas at all? Soak them for a start. Right. Really soak them, make them gungy. And right. I think you're right, it's sore, isn't it? You can saw through the root, yeah, can't you, pull I bits out at a time. Use an old kitchen knife or yeah. even an old pruning saw. I'll tell you what, a, a, a bread knife is very bread good. Bread knives are brilliant. Actually, I use bread knives when I'm doing turfing. Yeah, because like, you can right. cut through things, can't yeah. you? But I think, yeah, you need to soak it, really, just to make it a little bit more sort of malleable, really, when it's in that pot. Right. And Yeah, it's the difficulty of having a pot that's got a rim like that because it, it gets right under it. It's quite difficult to take out, but you want the pot, don't you? <laughs> oh, yeah, they're good pots. They're very good pots. Yeah. So you can be quite ruthless. I think once you, once you have got it out, are you going to move it into a bigger pot? No, no, get rid of them. It's get oh, rid right, of them. Oh, right, OK. Oh, Saw it up. Doesn't Saw matter it up. how you take them out, then, really. Saw it up. <clears throat> they've got, OK. This box is blight, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bit of a problem. Yeah. But you can't... It will... It will... Just 
Sorry, sorry so that's reciprocal what you need. Is that any good? Sorry? A reciprocal saw? Any sort of pruning saw, you will damage it by putting it into the ground, but a pruning saw or a bread knife or something like that, and that's what you need to use. Um, just a thought as well is that, um, just a reminder, that box blight, if you keep feeding it with a liquid feed, it does come back, actually, doesn't it, to a certain it degree? It does. You strengthen the plant. One of the things is to try and, and, and sort of keep foliage dry as much as you possibly yeah. can, really. Yeah. OK, let's move to Jean in Chelmsford. Black currants, is that right, Jean? Yes, that's right, Ken. Yeah, my dad had a blooming plot of black currants. I now hate them because he had about 12 bushes and I got fed black currants from the age of I don't know what until I left home, I think. So, uh, how are your black currant bushes? <laughs> All that vitamin C. I know. <laughs> I've got four of them. Oh, right. Two of them aren't, haven't produced any new shoots again from the base this year. Does that mean to say they're on the way out? Couple of things, really. How old are those plants? Don't know because they're a, they're a offspring of originals bought in about 1985. Yeah, <laughs> they're not that old. But no, they're they're, they're, prob they're, they're pr at least. Have you? Where do you get these offspring? Hang on, how do you get the offspring? You said offspring. Well, how are they offspring? Yeah, well, Cuttings. I took, took cuttings. Oh, fine. That's fine. Them, yeah. No, nope, that's fine. And they're rooted. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. I mean, there could be lots of reasons, really. Uh, if it, it's, are the leaves slightly different shape? Are they bigger than the other ones around them? They're, they're less vigorous. The leaves are. I haven't got so much growth on them, and the leaves are smaller. Okay, there is there is something that uh, they could have. They might have uh, reversion, uh, which is a disease carried by the big bud gall mite. It's a mite that lives in the top of the terminal buds. And you'd see shoots. that, wouldn't you? Because that is a, a, a lumpy bud at the top of the... You tip of the butt, tip of the stem. You would actually from February March time those buds go slightly brownish. So if you've actually got some sort of discoloration there and the bud is slightly engorged, then that that disease is in. And what happens is the plant loses its vigor. So you get you get slightly more leaf, less and less to no flowers, therefore no fruit. There is no control really that you can put in place other than try and get rid of the mites, but it's difficult to get it's difficult to see that. Um, so what you might need to do is actually destroy the plant. Now, rather you just rush out and do that now, uh, it might be worth um, feeding this year, seeing what happens, and then monitoring it February, March. And if you get the same sort of thing, I take them out and go and get some new varieties, but put them in a slightly different planting area. What happens if I can't move them to a different planting area, if I haven't got anywhere else to go? Are take there any cuttings. options? Um, you can put them in pots and containers, as long as they're about two foot by two foot. That would be okay. All right. I've also heard of a trick that if you're replanting, plant them in a cardboard box, and by the time they get through the cardboard box, they can cope with the old soil. Have you heard of that one? Uh, I have heard of that, actually. Um, I haven't used it myself, but, any I mean, that's also going to contribute to the, to the, <laughs> the sort of... The, the structure of the soil itself. It, it, it can work. It's worth having a try. It's not going to be detrimental to the plant at all. And don't forget, Gene, if it does work, let us know because we'd be interested <clears throat> and we can pass that information on. Uh, we'll be coming straight to Brian in Colchester in just a moment and Brenda in Leon C. Uh, don't forget that number to call is 0300 200 40 41. Brian in Colchester. Beach Hedge, you good were morning, talking Kenneth. about. Beach Hedge, good yes. Good morning, Kenneth, and good morning, Thomas. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> right, what, what have we got today? A beach hedge? Yes, I planted a bare root beach hedge um, 
just before Christmas uh, last year, which is apparently the right time, and um, yep. looked at these um, sticks, basically, um, for a long time. And then when the spring came, which was early, and then went and then came back again, which is interesting, um, they've got all leaves on them, Ken, I'm glad to say. Um, now, out of 50 plants, 48 have done that beautifully. They're about three foot tall, so they're quite big bare root hedge cuttings. And um, But there's two that have struggled, and they've got leaves at the bottom, but not at the top. The, the buds are on there, they just haven't opened out. Any ideas? Should I prune them? or f- I've fed them, by the way, quite a bit and water them regularly. Okay, well, one of the things, uh, scrape, the bark, scrape the bark. Scrape the bark above where the, where the leaves are, and if that is green, leave them. No. Uh, so what I would, if, if that's not the case, then I would cut it to the lowest leaf. Uh, and yep. what will happen, it should actually grow out anyway. Uh, but 48 out of 50 is not bad. <clears throat> it's not bad, is no, it? No, that's very good. When do I prune them? Um, is it August time when I can do the first pruning? Or Well, with those two, basic. well, the, the, the two you've got, do those now. Uh, the other yeah. ones, actually, you could do those now, really. Yeah. I'd be Wouldn't fine hurt. with that. I mean, lots of people, there's lots of ways of growing it. You either let them grow to the height that you want them to be. No, no. Me, I though, don't like I, doing that. No, well, I don't, actually, because I like to build them up in stages. You get a much thicker yeah. uh, hedge. Always always just <clears throat> tip them across. Yeah? Just tip the, 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 yeah. the, um, just the, take, the, end, of the end of the stalk. Yeah. yeah, just, you go lower, do you? I'll take about a quarter off. No, you see, he takes a quarter. I always just top them down by about three or four inches and then rely on them thickening because if not you don't get thickness from the base oh okay okay that that makes sense thank you very much indeed okay and just keep an eye on that one and if not what you just cut it down wouldn't you down to where the growth is yeah go down 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 let's go where did we go we've done beach hedge haven't we, we and have. we're, gonna, we're gonna talk to brenda in lee hello how's it like on leon c at the moment Oh, good morning, Ken and Tom. It's absolutely beautiful here. Thank you very much. Um, But I phoned about six weeks ago about my very thick 12-foot-high photinia. And you said to me, use liquid seaweed feed, give it a good water as well, and then would I phone back and tell you how it's getting on? Yeah, how's it getting on? I'm phoning back to say it is much improved... You said get rid of all the uh, leaves that were brown and spoilt, get rid of them from all the way around the soil underneath, which I did. And it is looking much, much better now. Um, It's got lots of new leaves. It's looking really good. But you also said that once it's looking good, I should start to cut it down a bit. Now, I wondered how far down. How high is it? feet high, approximately. How high, sorry? 12 feet high. Where do you want it to be? Where, how big would um, you like it? Well, we don't want it to be quite as tall. We probably want it down about a third, but we didn't know mm. whether we should cut um, a third off straight away because it's going to take all yep. the new growth off. Ah, oh, but you'll well, get new growth from it. <laughs> there is there is a problem there. Yeah, I suppose that's one downside. However, uh, you'll get lots of side growth. 
you'll get new leaders being produced and you'll get a really good strong colour from that new growth. So I would right. definitely do it. Definitely do it. And so also down you, by a third. Uh, yeah, quarter to a third. It does I wouldn't go much lower than that really. Um, right. but if you do that now, it's quite safe to do that with Evergreens now. Uh, it'll respond. You've also been feeding it, so that's gonna boost it as well. Would you, yes. Tom, take any of the branches down even lower so you induce <clears throat> extra growth at the base? Because you could do, couldn't you? Yeah, I suppose it depends on how thick the plant is. Is it thick at the bottom or thin? No, it's thin at the bottom. Might be worth taking a couple of the branches down lower, uh, down to maybe half or three, you know, down to a quarter, literally very low, and that'll induce new growth from the base and thicken the whole plant up. Yeah, you could do that. That's, That's good. Oh, right. Okay, that sounds lovely. And keep feeding. Keep feeding. I I still keep feeding. One other thing, if you could just tell me, please, um, what is best to use to remove white flower clover from our lawn? A good liquid lawn weed killer. With with at least two to three active ingredients in it. If you look at the back of the packaging for... Some have got one. Yeah, you need need more. You need uh, a combat... It's like a cocktail of ingredients you need to control. Not only things like the one you've just said, but also things like yarrow as well, which you can get into lawns. Um, So go for the products that have got two or three active ingredients. But use a liquid... It's the what, quick, quickest what, way of getting it in, yeah, isn't it? Watch the weather. Don't put it on when it's sunny and hot and, no. and the lawn is dry. It's, it's um, shady or a bit of... It's a bit damp. Yeah, that's You've right. You've got it? Yep. Just right. OK? Lovely. All right, thank you both very, very much indeed. Pleasure. Good luck. That's what we're here for. 0300 200 40 41. And we nip off to Benfleet to talk about oleanders with Yvonne. Is that right? That's right. Um, I had it about three years ago. And it had quite a lot of buds on it when I had it, but they never came to anything. And it was in a pot. And I had it in a pot for about a couple of years. And my son-in-law put it in the ground. And I've never had any buds on it <laughs> since. Uh, it's in a... Right, where, where have you got the oleander? It's in a, a, a proper, you know, bed of flowers. Um, down the what? end of the garden. Is it south-facing, north-facing? Um, it's on a west. Wall. Well, should be all right, shouldn't it? Fence. Yeah, it's got some protection there. Yeah. I'd be a bit worried if you were saying east facing because yeah. it's too cold. Or north. <laughs> and north would be too shaded, which wouldn't really be good for flowers. Yeah. It's always in the sun. How d- can I ask how how did it do when we had the cold snap this year? Did, were any of the shoots frosted back? Um, no. Um, some of the leaves have gone brown earlier this year, but okay. they seem to have dropped off now, and the rest of it seems to be green, but still not a sign of a bud or anything anywhere. Might be a bit early. They are. I've noticed some in containers where I've been walking around gardens, they're actually showing, and some against warm yeah. south-facing are showing bud. What you could do to try and sort of encourage it more is maybe to use a feed that's fairly high in potash. So actually a tomato feed would be quite good. Oh, right. uh, you could try that yeah. uh, and see if it responds. Uh, right. But it sounds like you've got, it's in a good area. Often it's a plant which we can't really leave out too much. Yeah. But you're obviously doing very well with yours. Yeah, All right. Not well, you got it's, it's well nice and evergreen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just, just, just one quick one. I've also got a holly tree in a pot, which should have hundreds of berries on it, and that's only a bread three. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, depends which one it is and whether yeah. it's a female or male. Well, it will be a female. It's a female. It? 
Well, it is a female, but it could be one of the, the yeah. hybrids where they naturally produce them. You need to have other hollies in the area probably to help you get a greater quantity of fruit. So if it's a name variety, go back to a garden centre, tell them you've got that one and ask for another male. Yeah. All right. So I have got another holly tree at the end of the garden which doesn't produce any berries. So Might be a male. Might be. Might Can't be. tell. The two need to get together then, don't they? They do indeed. <laughs> you've got it. That's how it works. <laughs> Um, right, let's go to Alan in uh, Chelmsford. Poppy plants, is that right, Alan, we're talking about? It is, Ken. Morning to you both. Um, yeah, we've got um, a couple of poppy plants in the back garden. They've been there for oh, some ten years or so and come up as regular as clockwork every year. Uh, massive, great, bright red flowers about the size of your fist. Uh, but we've changed round the garden and it doesn't really fit in with how we've changed it. So we would like to move it to the front garden where it would look better. When would be the best time to do it? And is there anything in particular we need to look out for? Right, right. You definitely don't want to move it now. You want to be moving it in the dormant season. And what I would do is I would do that moving more February, March rather than at the beginning of the dormant season because you're going into a new season. Um, right. I, I would try and lift up as much soil as possible around that root zone. They don't like being moved much. And, and they, they do respond. They can respond in one of two ways. Either they'll just carry on and keep on flowering or they'll just sit there for a little while until their roots really try and re-establish into the soil. So the key thing is... Know, it's, know where it's going to go, improve that soil, and then dig up the plant with as much soil as possible, but do that February-March And they year. will sell seed as well, so it's worth looking... They sometimes sell yeah, seed, don't they? So yeah, you can look be carefully looking, for those. Look, when you're moving it in the spring, look for small uh, small ones as well, and you might be able to move those as well. How about that, Alan? Yeah? Thank you very much. Okay, that's Alan in Chelmsford on his mobile, of course, hands-free. Um, and don't forget to give us a call on 0300 200 4041, BBC Essex, The Gardening Hour, and Tom Cole from Rittler College University. Is it University? <laughs> University College. I've got it around the wrong way. Where's well, the no, university? Well, no, because you're now going to tell me off because I've got my old T-shirt on. Oh, okay. We were, we were rebranded. Oh, so, yeah, OK. He's rebranded. He's got the wrong shirt on. He's hopeless, isn't he? Uh, right. Tom Cole from the Riddle University and Ken Crowther here answering your gardening questions. Give us a call now. We have a line free. 0300 200 4041. Yeah, before we have a bust up over his T-shirt. Let's now talk to... Uh, where are we going? Where are we going? We are going to talk to David in White Notley. Hello, David. Hello, Ken. Hello, Tom. Um, good morning to you both. Um, yes, I, I've got a problem. Um, I've got in my front garden, I've got um, five hydrangeas in, in a circular bed. It's a north-facing um, uh, bed. Uh, I've had, the, I've had the, the hydrangeas for four or five seasons, and they've, they've always done very well. But yesterday, I just noticed, I probably noticed a bit before that, but... All the outer leaves on the hydrangeas are going brown, and on the underside of the leaves, they've got black blotches. The inside ones are okay. Is that a deficiency of something, or...? That's not a deficiency. Um, is there anything on the stem as well? Well, there, there, uh, there does appear to be sort of black 
marks on the stem, like black lines, but I wasn't certain if that's how they're supposed to be or if that's something that's happened. No, because you do get a, a slight line on a hydrangea, don't you? Yeah, well... Yeah. I, I don't think that's the problem. No, what I was going to get to is I think I mean, there's a scale, actually, that attacks hydrangeas, but it would, you'd see it. It's, it's got a sort of whitish, no. sort of limpet-like structure. Um, are, there, are the leaves that are coloured, when you say they're outer, are they old leaves and not the new leaves? They're the old leaves, yes. Hmm. And, and, and it's so severe... Oh. Uh, it's almost when you when you look at some of the leaves, they, they look as if they've been they've been touched with a cigarette, where it's sort of you know sort of like a, a cigarette. It's a sort burn. of spot, it's, isn't it? Yeah, it sounds like a almost like a tar spot or a black spot. It, um, yes, it does. And they get progressively worse. Would you spray with the fungicide? On there longer, yeah. Yeah, we could do a combination of a couple of things really. Uh, you could you you could use a, a general purpose fungicide. Um, That's what I would do, definitely. But I would also use a feed to try, to try yeah. and boost the plant, really, to Something make it like stronger. Something like a seaweed feed? Yeah, I, I mean, anything that's got potash in, really, that uh, will really sort of um, Push strengthen the plant. Uh, but certainly it wouldn't go amiss to, if you've got handy, something like a, a fungicidal gun that you can use go over the top make sure you spray all of the plants don't forget not in strong hot sunlight i keep saying this because the sun is strong and you'll burn the leaves then okay yes yes this is in a sheltered area in the Good. afternoon anyway. david let can you let us know how it improves whether it improves with the yes. with the spray and the feed yeah. I yeah. certainly was. So it's fungicide and feed it with a potash. Yeah, because okay. the, the only thing I can possibly think, it might be uh, a form of downy mildew, but I'd expect to see that on some of the younger leaves as and well. And you, you get the yeah, of, no, of not, but it film, is quite you? severe over all four yeah. plants. Okay. Plants. Well, you're not going to go wrong with, with that advice. I mean, it'll just monitor it, really, after that. And go from there. Uh, let's uh, go to... I'll tell you where we're going to go. Thundersley. And we're con talking new hedges with Liz, aren't we, Liz? Yes, you are. <laughs> what would you like to know? Um, we brought some bare root yew trees and um, potted them on. When once they were established, we then planted them in the ground. They're now four to five feet high. Yep, lovely. And I'm not quite sure um, when to clip them. Whenever um, you like. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, I'm right, aren't I? You can, in theory, do use whenever you like. You won't actually do them a lot of harm, will you? Uh, oh, right. I would. I. He's going to argue with me now, isn't he? <laughs> Uh, this I, is the best time. It, it, now is a good time, actually. I mean, I would it definitely do it in time. the growing season. The, the, my only reservation when you do it slightly earlier is if they've got that new growth and you cut it, get then you get, get burnt and frosted. So now is a good time to do it. And I suppose it depends on how high you want them to be. Are you going to plant them in the garden or keep them in the pots? No, they're in the, they are actually in the garden and they've grown now to be about oh. four to five feet. Trim them. Um, the reason I wanted them was because you don't have to have them to be very wide. No, that's true. Yep. And I haven't clipped the top out or anything like that. I don't want to do that until they're as high as I want them to be. And the other thing I wanted to ask you is how often should they be watered when it's like now, the weather's... Well, that, that's how long's a piece of string. Uh, okay. Because it depends on your soil structure and everything else and how it's planted, <clears throat> whether it's mulched, etc. Um, you can it's judge you very easily, actually, because they have a lot of heat, actually, because they face direct south. Right, OK. So they're going to dry out a little bit. And this year's been a bit funny so far. It's, well, we know it's very, very dry. I'd give a f bucket of water a day if it's like this. I've actually put soaker hoses there. Now, oh, that, that's that, the job. That then, so you've saved yourself a lot of time there. That's, that's, that's really good to do. And I think also, just to, I mean, you might want to... Can you put liquid feed through that system? 
No, no. No, it blocks them up. Soap hoses, it's not a good idea. It might be worth watering. I mean, I would use, again, something like... I I actually use things like sequestered iron on on evergreens. Um, Sequestered iron or sequestrine. uh, Lots of products out there that have that. And water it in along the whole length. Uh, You can do that now. uh, And you can also prune any time within the growing season. Okay. Okay, that's great. Thank you very much. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther, every Saturday from 11. I promised to go back to Margaret in Westcliff, didn't I, Margaret? I did indeed, didn't I? You certainly did, young man. <laughs> That'll I've get you on there. I've been hanging on the line oh, here. Right. Like, We're here. Right. You're talking about <laughs> pollen, is that right? Yeah, I don't, I've never had these pollen allergies ever before. Is there anything different in this year? Because uh, I can't see, and I've had it taking them so long, and it makes your tongue swell up, your eyes water, you can't see. I've been taking the tablet, what well, I got from the chemist. Yeah. And it, and I, and I've been to France, and I still had it out there as well. Pollen is right this year. Um, it's basically the amount of flour, and some of that, Tom, is really due to the weather conditions that have gone through the winter. Where is we've had a very dry winter, haven't we? We, we have. were talking earlier about a farmer, weren't we? Not on air, but we were talking <coughs> off air. Normally, was it 20 in this area in Essex? 20, 20 something six, inches or something, and so, it's down and to it's eight. eight. So that's the pro- that's the major problem. Now the major problem is that when you have a dry season, the plants panic. This is my principle. It's right, isn't it? And so things start blooming maybe a little bit yeah. earlier. And of course, there's a lot of crossing over in terms of plants yeah. flowering. And and they're also trying to reproduce, so they're going to flower more. Yeah. So in fact, the trees are. You've got huge amount of tree uh, pollen, haven't you? This mm. year, got the grasses now yeah. coming in. Grasses coming in. I mean, it's just a year where you're going to get lots of pollen, and it's really due to climate. Nothing else but climate. How long? How, you know, how long is climate sort of thing? I'm not a Percy flower, I don't know. No, well, the climate, it, it dep- it, as long as it's hot and stuff flowering, you'll get pollen. That's how it comes. And it goes from early flowering trees and through, as Tom said, it will go through grasses fairly soon, won't it? And it just keeps on. Just keeps on it giving. finishes about end of August, doesn't it? Well, <laughs> yes, but there are other things that start to flower at the end of the season. Yeah. You know, I think. So we can't really help <clears> you. Other than say, that's what has happened. So, Margaret, I'm sorry we got no useful advice for you because I don't know, you know, we won't go into cures, but basically everything's flowering well, therefore there's more pollen. But there are low allergen plants. They're low. Like hookras, hemicarlis, the daylily. They all work. Uh, Formium is a good one. you know, there's, there's just a few. And some of the grasses that don't Geraniums, even hardy geraniums. Hardy geraniums. Let's talk clematis uh, with Clive from South End. Good morning. Hi. Um, I've got a clematis montana, which is about 15 foot wide yep. and probably 10 or 12 foot high. Right. And I've, it's basically holding up two fence panels, which I've got to replace. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to damage the clematis, if possible. Plus, there's growing through it from next door. Right. How can I do that safely? Well, I know what I've done. In, uh, shall I tell you what I've done in the past? And, but and Tom will be appalled, you see. This is a man who does well, has done stuff in gardens. If you're in that position, you, you've got to decide what you do with it. And what I have done is gone down the fence line, so yeah. in line with the fence, with a pair of shears. Yeah. And I've just cut it off 
laid it into the flower bed. Yeah. Put the fence panels in. Mm-hmm. And as you put it up, you'll find that you've cut some of the some of the main stems. You can't help it. Yeah. So you pull those out. And then right. refix the rest. Now, does that sound appalling to you, Tom? No, I, I do exactly oh, the same. Oh, you do the same. Oh, yeah. hey. I mean, Montana is such a thug, anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That even in the best years, you prune it to the shape of whatever it's growing on. So to actually just right. go on the side and right. and uh, lay it over. But the great, I mean, that, yeah, that's Ken was saying. You are yeah. going to get dye back, but that's not a bad thing. Uh, right. You can thin it out and reposition those stems on your fence. Because it must be about 30 years old. Yeah. The, the, the roots are massive. Yeah. yeah. It's They're really a, it, thick. It is a plant. You can cut to the ground. And it won't. Right. And it'll just rejuvenate. Yeah. Eventually it will. It won't. Clive. It'll take a while, but it will do it. Clive, can you let us know Fine. how it goes? I will. Thanks. I listen to you every day. I work in a hospital and I listen to you every weekend. Good man. Clive, we look forward to he- hearing how you get on with that one. And um, we're going straight to Pamela in Billericay. Hi, Pamela. Uh, good morning. And how can we help you today? Um, well, we have on the edge of our property a um, 150-year-old black poplar tree. Yep. Um, it's on the street side, and it um, is absolutely loaded with what you would probably call catkins. Yep. Um I know why, because of, of the um, weather conditions, but um, we're finding that the stuff, now it's falling down, the uh, flowers underneath are getting covered with it and choked yep. and um, are just dying off. My it, roses look absolutely awful. I know. You can, I mean, I, I've, I've been to places where there's lawns and you wouldn't. You, you can no, see there's a layer across covered, the lawn, right. covered completely. It it's snowed heavily. It is, indeed. <laughs> um, by a blower. We've got one, but it, it works for one day, and then, of course, it's back again the next day. <laughs> it's coming off now. It looks as if oh, it's no. snowing out. There's nothing the we can do, there's, is there's, there's, there's not a great... You, there's not much you can do, really. It's, you're going to be doing a lot more gardening. Yes. Yeah, that's the only thing we can think of. You can brush lawns yeah. with a broom, can't you? Yeah, well, it doesn't work with a broom, yeah. actually. Oh, you can't and, pull it off with a broom. And you can compost it all. Yes. <laughs> Aren't we helpful today? <laughs> Aren't you glad you spoke? No. Actually, we're not allowed to touch it because it's got a TPO on it, so oh. uh, we can't remove any of the lower branches or anything. So. You could, no, even if it's got a TPO, you can no, go to the local... No, we've been told we can't do it. It's oh. a specially protected tree because there's not many left of them in Essex, apparently. Uh, no, I think what Ken's saying is you can go to your local council. They will have a tree officer. It's oh, just yes, to talk about... We no, where... we, have, we have an arrangement with the arborist. Yes. Right. Um, yeah, that's, that's a, an ongoing thing. But the thing grows so quickly, yeah. um, you know, it needs doing every yeah. five years and costs about £800. Yes, it's... Yeah, yep, it will. Not, not cheap, cheap, not cheap. But then the, insure, the reason that arboriculturalists are so... Uh, so, so expensive, is that unfair? Value for money. Value for money is because the insurance on people climbing trees is horrendous. I know, Absolutely I know. horrendous. I've seen them up there. <laughs> yeah, and that's the worry. Anyway, that's a good point, and I think we should just point out my comment on going to the local authority is that just because it's got a TPO does not mean that you can't touch it, but what it means is you have to go. You've got to get some advice and guidance from them. Advice from them, yeah. and they will give you permission to do specific yeah. things sometimes. Or Am say, you can't, yeah. Also, also, you can't, which is quite often. Morning, Ken. Morning. Hi there. What can uh, we do I've, for you? I've had some peony poppies in the garden, probably for getting on for 20 years. And being poppies, they tend to come up when they feel like it. 
Um, but this year they've come up and they're about twice the size they've ever been before. And I wondered if there could be a reason for that or whether they might be just something else that's been introduced there. Um, I they seem to be the same. Yeah, but they probably are, actually. I think it's more to do with weather and how much water we have had in some areas after having some dry areas at dry times, and the plants just responded now. In fact, in most gardens now, plants are really sort of moving off, and I've got Nepeta in my garden. Oh, I've had to cut it down by half this year because it's just collapsed. So I did that Chelsea chop. You don't really want to do that with your uh, poppies. No. Um, so... I would they don't last long anyway. No, no enjoy I mean, them. What you might find is because they're longer, therefore that head of the flower which is going to be quite big. It's going to collapse. So you might need to think about some supports now. Put canes and a bit of those. string around yeah. them just to support them up. Yeah, right. So they're probably the same ones, but they're absolutely huge. So they're, some, they're very dry. They're, they're in a very dry position. They are. It's, I think this year is producing masses of flower and quality flower yeah. at that. Yeah. Yeah. I wondered whether it was the weather was a factor. Mm. Yeah. Yep. So put some supports around them, I think, just so you don't get disappointed. No. And don't forget their number, 0300 What's up with your red robin, Raymond? Hello, Ken. Hello, Ken. What's happened to it? I've got a friend over the road. Yep. And she's got a red robin, and it's starting to, to die. Any Any answers? Has it got new growth at the tops? Only a little bit. And it's in the ground or it's in a pot? That's in the ground. Okay. Probably dryness might be one thing. Yep. Uh, so it might be worth checking to see if, if that is quite dry. It needs some good wa levels of water. They do need yep. quite a bit. And I, once you've got that water in, then I would feed it. Yes. A uh, good, strong seaweed-based feed. Yeah. Um, once you've got that all in, I would then mulch. If you've got a nice layer of organic matter that you can put around the base to keep the moisture in. Okay. That will help. And if you get growth lower down, then you can prune the top a bit. Yeah, well, that's sorted Raymond uh, about his neighbour's red robin. Red robins are struggling a bit this year. Oh. 0300 200 40 41. And we're going to nip off to Irene in Benfleet. And then we'll be giving you all that travel information. So, Irene, how are we doing? Hello. Hello there. Boys. Um, well, it's about my clematis. Yep. It's only flowering at the bottom, always, and it's very straggly at the top. It's an elimosa. That's I unusual. Why I'm doing wrong. They normally only flower at the top and not at the bottom. They do, actually. It's the other way around. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Good one, don't you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Is there any reason for that? Do you think? I always cut it down every year. How, oh. dear? I tend to, with that one, I tend to cut Maybe it down not. by about a third to a half, not. at the very, very most. Oh, right. And, and should I do that now? Well, your, your Nelly Moser, when do you usually have it flowering? Well, it's flowering at the moment, yes. Right, so, after so, flowering. So what it's, it's in, um, I believe it's in group two, which means it's, in, it's a clematis that flowers on some of the old wood. Then it right. has a second flush later on. On the, new, on the newer wood. So I wouldn't. Pr I would actually not do any pruning Into until the season. I wouldn't do any pruning until end up, until after the first flowering, and okay. all I would do is just take about a, a quarter off, maybe a third, of the top growth, and then yeah. it should produce new growth, which would, should give you some flowers again. And then when that's finished, 
uh, then I leave it, maybe tidy it up a little bit, but I leave it again to maybe the latter part of the following year. I don't tend to prune it very hard at all. Try that and see how oh, you get right. on. I've been pruning it too hard, I think. I think you're being a bit vicious. Yeah, leave yes. it alone. Leave it alone, <laughs> give it a good feed, and it will be back. I oh, know we go on about feed, feed, feed. But it's that time of the year, though. It is that time of the year, and you really have to feed. Uh, we'll be coming back to talk to Derek in Whittam and we will be talking to Dawn in Southminster. I want to get that plant identified as well because we need that. That's come through on an email but I'd like to do that. And then not forgetting we've got Chris to deal with, Rob to deal with. Oh, we got so much. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Just very quickly, Betty Young sent us in a picture of a plant she's worried is giant hogweed it isn't at all no it's elderberry elderberry lovely flowers you can make elderflower lovely fruits elderflower wine or you can make elder, elder elderberry wine as well let's go back to the phones on 0300 200 4041 gives a call now we can get you in of course we can and we're talking to derek in whitham hello derek good morning gentlemen um i'm afraid i'm very much of a, a novice gardener regarding what to grow and things, but beginning of the year, um, I planted some potatoes in tubs. Um, did what they said, started very low, and as the greenery came up, we covered them, um, and then let them come through again, and then covered them and tub covered them. Well, now they're at the top of the tubs. They've got a load of greenery, and they've also started flowering. How long? do the flowers come out for and when do I start getting potatoes please? Right, first of all, do you know if they're new potatoes? Um, what ones did you use, do you know? I can't remember. To be okay, alright. Okay, well, the, the reason I ask that is new potatoes, they're usually the first ones you put in and new potatoes you start harvesting when they come into flower. Um, so you might want to put your hand in the container and just root around a There's little no, bit carefully. Nothing wrong with doing that, is no. it? And what them. you're wanting is a potato that's sort of, um, oh, this, I don't know, the size of a chicken egg, I think it is, about that sort of size. So new if, potatoes, yeah. Yeah, so if that's, an, if, if, that, if that's the size they are, you can use those now. You can actually right, harvest okay. them. If it was a more main crop potato, then you let the whole top of that plant finish flowering, die back, and you'll get a larger potato, which you can then use for roasting and so on. But it yeah. sounds like if it was, if you were right at the beginning of the year, it may well have been a new potato. So check, because you could be enjoying those this weekend. Yes, I could. The other thing, how long does it uh, take to sort of flower and then die back? Well, you don't want to let them die back you don't want them if die it's a back. new potato. So if you're saying they're full of flowers now... Chances well, are... The flowers have started to come through the last couple of days. Yeah. yeah. Chances are you'll have potatoes there. It's really about so, grovelling so, in the in, yeah. in the bag and, and seeing what's there. So it's this week you can harvest. All right, lovely. And I'm going to move straight to Colin in Chelsea because you've been growing potatoes in bags. Is that right, Colin? Uh, yeah, he's exactly stolen my time because I exactly the same question. Well, that's good <laughs> because no, but that that's what this program's about is advice that people can listen at home and pick up on what they want to want to know. Sometimes without ringing in. So you're on, we've answered your potato question. You had another one for us, though, didn't you? Indeed. About four years ago, you'll love this one. I bought in a well-known DIY store. Yep. A couple of blue spruce rooted Christmas trees. Okay. Blue spruce, I think they are. They're only about two foot tall at a time, and they cost me the grand sum of a penny each. Okay. Ooh, very good. Now, the first one uh, lasted a year. 
in this second year, it produced a fir cone and promptly the tree died. The other one is still going strong. It's now about five, six feet tall. It's producing a fir cone. Should I leave the fir cone on or should I take it off? Is it too young to produce fir cones, do you think? No, it's got to a stage where it's matured. Uh, it'll, it should keep on doing that every year. Right, OK. And the next, the other question was... Um, I don't want to let it get too big. Can you lock the top of them when they get to a certain height, or will that? It, it's, that it ruins the shape, but in theory, oh, growers. Yeah. The answer is no. Growers will trim definitely the outsides to make those branch to make a thicker tree. Right. But try not to do the top if you can really yeah, not, because it's got a lovely shape actually. And you'll ruin it. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's lovely. Thanks very much. That's Colin sorted, and let's go to Dawn from Southminster. Hello, Dawn. Hello there. Um, about a couple of months ago, we bought three camellias, um, lovely buds on them, but ever since they've been in the garden, all the buds are coming out brown. Um, we did tell the nursery after a couple of weeks because we took photos, and they said we'll move them because they were in full sun. So we've moved them, but they're still all coming out brown. Nothing's pink at all. Now, hang on. So, is the bud opening or is it the flower that's going brown? Yeah, um, well, when the flowers are coming out, not many flowers are coming out, but um, they've all got brown tinges on them and it's the buds that are brown anyway, or brown. Sounds as if it's actually dried out at mm. some stage. That sounds oh. more the problem. And if it's been moved, that's not helping yeah. it, is it? So, you've now got, where have you now got them? We've now got them. They only get a bit of sun in the morning, and that's it. That's the wrong bit of sun. The the, the oh. ideal place for putting a camellia is actually on a west-facing uh, site. Oh. Um, so you get sun in the afternoon uh, rather than in the morning. Um, that's where they were to start with. Um, yeah. Hmm. And I, th I, th I think also it's it is as Ken's saying it's a it's a water issue. Yeah, so, it's and dry. I, th and I think in the last summer. Yeah. So <clears> what <throat> happens with camellias and also rhododendrons and azaleas is they they're budding up now through the summer, ready for next year's show. And what you've got right. to keep on doing at this time of the year is just make sure the soil is not saturated but moist. So yeah. if you water them in initially, what you can do then is put a nice thick layer of uh, organic matter over the surface that keeps the moisture in. Uh, you can also you can also get things like composted pine needles or bark over the top, something that keeps that moisture in. Would you re remove them? When would you move them again? Oh, they're in the wrong place, aren't they? They are. So really, would you do it now? I don't think I. No, wait I, for winter. I wouldn't do it now. Wait for I'd, winter. I'd look after them where they are now until the until everything else lo loses its leaves. Even actually, I would wait until maybe February, March, and I'd make sure you got your planting holes correct in the original place, put them in those areas and take up as much soil as you possibly can and put them in those areas. Water them in really well and next year feed them with a good ericaceous feed. But even this year, make sure the soil is moist but use something like a liquid-based ericaceous or acid-like feed. Okay, that sorted that one. Let's go to Leanne. Hello, Leanne. Oh, good morning, gentlemen. Cottonous. I have a cottonous cogria, is that how you pronounce it? Oh, lovely. Yeah. Uh, a green one, green variety, which is just flowering. But I want to know when and where, where, how far I can prune it. Well, the best time to prune it is actually February, March. Is it? Yeah. Uh, and you can be as brutal as you like. 
There you go. Um, so yeah. you, can, you can actually keep it more bushy and cut closer to the ground. You can create yeah. a tree-like form and cut it to wherever it needs to be. Uh, as long as you're cutting it to an outward-facing bud, that's fine. But at this time of the year, enjoy those blooms as yes, they I emerge. Am, I'm enjoying them at the moment, yes. But it was, it's getting out all out of shape, so, so I wanted to uh, trim it. Uh, but I'll leave it till next year. Well, actually, if it's really getting out of control, you can do some lighter pruning. Yes. You can do that now, but All do right. your heavier pruning February, March. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. That's Leanne. Uh, just like to... Had you any idea what that picture was? I it's on a camellia. Didn't see it. Didn't you see it? There's a dreadful picture of a... Ca- Look at that. Hanging on a camellia. You like that? It's lovely. What is that? Got any idea? I don't know. Strange growth. <laughs> anyway, Chris, let's move on. Chris, we've got... Sorry, uh, we got one from uh, Rich, Rachel Healy. We do not know what that is off the top of the head. I'm going to go away and find out. Yeah, we'll find out what that is. But anyway, Chris, uh, how do you prune a winter sun plant? It's in a square 42 centimetre pot and wants to reduce the height of it. You could prune it after flowering. Winter sun, not a problem. Yeah, Take, um, cut out the old flowering wood or cut it back to vegetative growth. You could thin out to make okay. it more open. You can reduce the vegetative growth then by about a quarter. Um, so basically anything that's flowering over that period, when it's, once it's finished flowering, you can do that now. Right, I'm going to quickly, I'm going to go to David in Rettingham in just a moment, but Rob is saying, it's an interesting one, he's used slow-release granules uh, throughout a container where he's growing bedding. He's put it throughout the whole container. He's saying, is he, has he done it wrong? Because surely the food should be in the topish area of the pot so that the roots can get to it. That's an interesting point. I would mix it more thoroughly, so it's homogeneously throughout the That's compost. That's what he's done, I think. Uh, well, that was the best thing, because it makes it actually makes means you get some good go surface down. roots, but you get roots going further down. So, Rob, you've done nothing wrong at all. Uh, is, it, uh, is it okay to remove some stems off the plum tree to allow light to ripen the soup? Can I also do this for blueberries? Rachel from Harlow. Uh, you can do some thinning on plums. You can do that now. You can actually do it also when it's in fruit. I mean, the fruits are forming now. Don't go wild on that, otherwise it will burst into new vegetative growth. Blueberries, uh, well, they're coming into fruit now. Enjoy the fruit, and then it's a light trim afterwards and a little bit of thinning out, taking the oldest stems out first. They are. Some good information. I promised to go back to the phones here on the gardening phone-in. I said I talked to David in Ressingham. Hello, David. Good morning, Ken. What can we help you with today? Right, just a quickie. Uh, Amalantia, uh, it's all flowered. There's a few berries beginning, and, of course, the birds will be going for it before too long. Uh, it's about, the main bush of it is about uh, eight feet with four stems, but there's about uh, three feet of rather spindly growth this year, and I'm just wondering whether we can now uh, prune it back, just take some of the long spindly ones out. Yep, you can do. You can do some light trimming or you take out really what you don't want. You don't want to remove too much growth because you're going to enjoy that colour change as it goes into the autumn when you get lovely scarlet leaves. But there'll be no problem with doing that now. Okay. Okay, thanks very much. Thanks very much for your call. This is now I'm showing Tom a picture of a tree peony, a tree peony in a container. And uh, the tree peony is looking a bit sick on the sides. Um, it's, It's... it says it's dying off. It looks like too much water to me. It's, uh, yes, it's, 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 You're it's too much it's too or, too or too much. Um, so really, look, put your finger in that pot. If it's wet up to your knuckle, then you've watered it too much. So let it dry out a little. And I would, because it's in that pot, I'd also feed. 
Okay, now tree peonies do like a slightly acidic soil, so there'd be nothing wrong in using acidic feed. And I'd just like to come back. I am going to give, the, as he's at the University of Brittle, I'm going to actually give Tom that picture of the camellia, the white blob I will, of the camellia. I'm going to find that. It's and I'm going to hope you find out what it is, <laughs> because it really is an interesting one to have a look at. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther, every Saturday from 11. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. And if you missed any of the answers, you can download this programme and take it with you wherever you go via our website, bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. And if you have a gardening question for us, why not give us a call and be part of the programme? Yes, every Saturday morning from 11 on BBC Essex. <laughs>